following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. So, um, God's goodness is running after you. We just sang that, right? Um, have, you, have you found that in your, your own life and your experiences? Have you found that God's grace chases us? That his, his mercy is new every morning? That, um, that his forgiveness is, 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 a con- is constantly available to us? And our, our, our part in that is to embrace it, to receive it, to uh, acknowledge its presence, its power, to, to change and transform our hearts and lives, um, is, is to... It's to, to not run from this goodness that's running after us. Uh, we have a propensity. We see it in the garden the moment that, that Adam and Eve fell. Um, we see that they did three things. And we still have a propensity to do this in our flesh, right? We, we run or hide, right? We cover up with things that don't <laughs> deal with our problem, right? Things that we think are going to uh, alleviate our shame or guilt. And it doesn't. It actually causes more right? Or then we, or we just start blaming others. And if you remember in the garden, the first person that got blamed was God. He said, this woman you gave me, right? You know, and that often is, is what happens. God gets blamed for the tragedies and the circumstances of our life. But let's be clear, where does the blame lie? It lies on us. What causes sin? What causes quarrels and fights among you? Uh, James chapter four says, is it not the desires within you that war within your own heart? And then those things get get manifested through our life, right? People that walk in peace are instruments of peace. People that walk in chaos uh, are instruments of chaos. And and the list is long. And so um, we we should be people. Look, how many how many how many here are perfect this morning? Right, good, Steve. So check with Steve because you know uh, we are we are we have been made perfect in Christ, but it's a progressive reality that God is 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 revealing to us through His Holy Spirit in His Word, and there will come a day where we are glorified and we are perfected as He is perfect. We will see Him and we will know as we're fully known. But until that day, it's a journey, it's a process, and it's not a process of, of doing more or trying to be better, it's believing the scriptures. Like, behavior follows belief. If you're wondering why your behavior in certain areas is, is out of bounds, it's because you're not believing something about God's character or God's promises or what he's done for us in Christ. Does that make sense? Right. And so anytime that you're not behaving properly or your kids aren't behaving properly, uh, addressing behavior doesn't get us to the, the to the cause. That is the result. Uh, we need to ask ourselves, what am I not believing about God? What am I not believing about the cross and its sufficiency to cover my sin, not in part, but in whole? Does that make sense? Like, uh, you know, um, you know, I, I love to, I love um, I, I love just just healthy doctrine, healthy theology, like good, solid theology, because it leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake, right? And uh, listen, can I just say this to you this morning? Um, If you are a child of God, and clearly the scriptures tell us that the evidence of that is fruit, you will know them by their fruit, right? So like the presence of the Holy Spirit is another indicator for assurance for the believer. And the scriptures want us to have assurance. We're not guessing at this personally, 
right? We, should, we probably shouldn't be kind of guessing at others, leave that to the Lord. But, but when it comes to us, the scriptures tell us that the presence of the Holy Spirit and his fruit, it's his fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's not ours, right? It's being manifested. In fact, our part in that is to yield to our want and way and will. We deny ourselves, take up our cross. We die to our agenda, our desires, our rights, right? We, we forfeit those things in order to embrace his kingdom, his will, his way, his heart, his desire, his ideal, his yoke, right? His teachings, you know, his, this is what we want. And in order to do that, we have to forsake ourselves in that process, right? We have to, we have to deny ourselves. That means say, saying no to me so I can say yes to him. And, and that's, a, that's every single moment of every single day. Because don't we know that the, the passages that we're looking at this morning, don't we know that they're beyond us in, their, in our ability to obey them, right? You look at the Sermon on the Mount like, huh, you know, if you're angry with your brother in your heart, you've already murdered him, right? Like it's, it's more about motive than it is our actions, because that's, again, the root of where all of this comes from. It's, it's, it's our desires that's got to die. And the only one that can overcome that is the word of God by the power of the spirit of God. And as we submit ourselves um, to the reality, it's not by power or by might, but by your spirit, to these things that seem beyond us, now we are yielding ourselves to the yoke that we put ourselves in so that his power and his presence can really bring these, these things that are, that are that bigger than us into reality. I mean, God, does God want us to obey his words? Does he want us to be the body of Christ? Does he want us to, to live out loud? Does he want us to, to love uh, without uh, um, condition or selection or prejudice? Does he want us to reflect him? In all that he was, in, does he want us to be Jesus to the world? And see, that's not something we can do still holding on to what we want and, what, and, and us. We've got to forfeit. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ that I, I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Man, it's a faith walk, right? And it's saying, God, I can't, but you can there are moments that we face where we're overwhelmed by, by pain, by loss, by tragedy, by, by our own desires and the brokenness that brings in relationships. How do, we get, how do we get to a place of healing? How do we get to a place of reconciliation? We, we surrender to his presence, his power, his love, his word, so that it might take full. Like it's got to be the spirit that does it, not us. And so, you know, quit trying to do it in your own strength. It's a fruitless endeavor, isn't it? Right? We've learned that. Like, we, we, we got it. It's not by power, by might, but by your spirit. Like, apart from you, I can do nothing. Right? I've got to abide. I've got to remain. I've got to draw near. I've got to come close. Right? And, and really, the Christian life is more about producing fruit and keeping with repentance than it is being perfect. Right? Anybody in here a hypocrite at times? right? Whoa, whoa, where's all the hands? Now, Steve, there you go. There you go, right? Like, I mean, we are, right? We, we, we declare that this is who we are, and this is what we believe, and this is what we live for, and then our, sometimes our words and actions don't match up, right? And what do we do in that moment? Do we just declare ourselves failure and listen to the accuser of the brethren that tells us that that's the case? No, no. We, we fall on our knees, and we confess it as sin, 
and we acknowledge that we fall short. But here's the thing I want us to remember. Once you are his, sealed by the Holy Spirit, guaranteed by the God of the universe that never breaks his promises, that you're his, bought with a price, you are not your own. You are never sinner again. That is not your identity. Paul called some pretty sinful people saints because the living God lived in them and that was their true status. Amen? Amen. Right? That's who we are. We are saints and saints sin. Amen? (laughs) Right? But that's not our status. That's not our posture. That's not our hope. That's not our desire. And that's not where we stay. We confess that. And we believe the cross is enough and that it's paid in full and that it is finished. We believe these things because, guys, it's not about just believing Jesus for salvation. It's about believing Jesus at his word to his promises for sanctification and glorification. That's why I love what Terry said this morning. I'm not promised in his word that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning, but I am promised in his word that I will awaken to his love and his full presence in eternity with a glorified body. And I will know as he's fully known because I will see him face to face and he will declare me his bride. Because this is what he said, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He he also said, "Do, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This is what he said. For in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you but I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you will also be. I'm going to take you to myself. This is, this is our awesome bridegroom. This is our model as husbands of how we're to live so sacrificially for our brides to love them into radiance, to, to forfeit our lives in order to, to love them and to overcome their, their posture or sin. Like this is... Isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome who we get to be in Christ? And, and is it, isn't it our worship and acknowledgement that we did nothing to earn this? We did nothing to get here. It's just God's grace administered to us by faith. And guys, here's the deal. That's how everything comes to us, is through faith. Everything is that we just believe God and he credited it to us as righteousness, right? We, be, we come into his presence by faith. We experience his love by faith. We experience, and it's not that it's not based in evidence. And, and I mean, no, there's, 20, there's over 28,000 archaeological finds that, are, that, are, that, that line completely up with the scriptures. There is evidence. Jesus walked this planet. I mean, Josephus was a historical Jewish historian. Like, I mean, he was not a Christ follower. It's a fact. Jesus walked the planet, right? It's a fact that he died on a, Roman's, a Roman cross. And there were over 500 people at the same time that witnessed his resurrected presence, right? There is evidence for for the truth himself. And uh, and if we embrace that in faith, we experience all that is promised to us in the scriptures, amen? Right? And so we've got to, but we've got to apply these things that seem so they are. They're counter-nature, counter-intuitive. They're counter-culture. They are, they are upside down in the kingdom we live in, but not the kingdom we belong to. Does that make sense? They are upside down. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. Love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. So I'm going to read what I... We're in, we're in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do. If you don't, there's, there's Bibles in the seatbacks in front of you. Um, the, it, it will be on the screen, but I encourage you to be Bereans, to be students of the Word. 
Man, have your, have your notes out right now. Have your Bible out right now. Be, be a student. I mean, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, but if you're not postured to listen and to write down those precious thoughts, what do you expect? Be a student, be a disciple, right? And so we're in Luke chapter six. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at 27, uh, verse 27 to 36. And, uh, and we're going to pick up in 37 today, but I want to read that again for context purpose, because this is a sermon that Jesus was teaching. We refer to it as the Sermon on the Plain, which is different than the Sermon on the Mount, but has a lot of similar characteristics or, or um, concepts that Jesus teaches in it. But I want to re- remind us of what we taught or what the Holy Spirit taught us a couple weeks back and, uh, and, and what we're called to. Guys, it is a it is a life that if, we don't, if we're not prepared to sacrifice and give to the extent that it's been given to us, man, we're never going to know the joy of obeying his word and the fruit of not only understanding, but that of character and sanctification that comes when we, when we truly desire to obey. You know that all that he wants from us is, is a willingness to say, like, like, like Peter said, he said, Lord, we fished all night, we caught nothing, but because you said so, we will do it. And when they had done so, <laughs> boats were filled, right? To the point of sinking. Miracles happen. You know when miracles happen? is when we die to ourselves, surrender ourselves to obedience to God's word, and, and ask God to use us in mighty ways to see his word come to fruition in our life. And we, and we totally count on the Holy Spirit to see it through, right? That's when miracles happen that's when witnesses occurs that's when we're is when we're willing to be the martyr it's when we're willing to go to the cross so that others might be saved we're willing to take the hit and face and face the 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 brutality of others and respond in kindness and mercy not in not in revile for revile and and uh punch for punch but listen to what it says here this is luke 6 27 to 36 But I say to you, the Lord Jesus Christ said, to those who hear or are willing to listen, uh, put into practice. Um, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Did God do that? Did Jesus do that? Do good to those who hate you. Do good. Do good to those who hate you. How's that going? Bless those. Bless. Use your words to bless those the way God blesses us. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Pray for them. That means you've got to get out of that situation, get on your knees and seek the posture of God and the heart of God so that you can, you can respond appropriately. Pray for those who abuse you. And then he uses these illustrations. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, we, we, we talked about this being the jaw. This is a punch. This isn't a slap. This is, this is aggressive. This is attack. Um, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. This is not a taunting. Go, you want, you want, you want, you know, that's not what it is. This is, I forgive you. I turn from that. And I'm, I'm, I'm reinstating even the, the, the opportunity again out of forgiveness. That's, what's, that's what it's talking about. And from one who takes away your cloak, this is a gentle way of saying steals your jacket do not withhold your tunic at well. Hey, chase, I, t- I said it this way, chasing them down saying, hey, 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 I think you need my shirt, right? It's a, it's an, it's a posture of compassion because, listen, Jesus came and died for us when we were sinners, 
when we were rebellious enemies of his and he gave us everything. He gave us the Father. He gave, him, he gave us everything while we were hating and hurting and crucifying him. And, and then he says here, um, if someone steals your, your coat, <laughs> I mean, you have not suffered to the point of shedding your blood, as, as, as Hebrews 12 says. But follow his example here. Suff, be willing to suffer loss so that others might experience God's mercy and grace and kindness through your life. Be willing to take the hit. And, and don't, just, don't just be like, okay, I'll take it. But respond in kindness and love and guidance and mercy and care and giving, as we'll talk about, right? <laughs> so it's like chasing them down. They're probably thinking, man, this guy's going to kill me. And, and no, 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 no. I just want to see if you need my shirt too, right? And, and this is not meant to be humorous. This is, this is meant to be practical. Like this is, did Jesus model this to an extent that's so much further than he's asking of us? Listen to what 30 says. Give to everyone who begs from you. Now that, I'm just going to be clear. That doesn't necessarily mean money. And, and I would encourage you, uh, you look through the scriptures. How many times did Jesus give money? And he had it. Judas was carrying the bag. One point they said they had eight months wages. That's a lot, right? I mean, they had, they had benefactors that were following them all the time. Lazarus, Mary, you know, Martha. Like, um, but, but give the way Jesus gave to anyone who asks you. Because, man, it's easier to give five bucks than five minutes, right? Right? But that's what, that's what Jesus gave his, his heart, himself, his time. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, steals them, do not demand them back. How's that going? Then, here's the principle, the, the golden rule, you know, like, and as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. So if you've got an idea of what you would want others to do to you, and in most cases, it's show me kindness, show me mercy, love me, right? If, if, you know, and and, and don't, don't judge me and don't be critical of me and please forgive me and, and give me, you know, I mean, whatever it is that, uh, that you would want others to do for you. How about, how about being, rather than fixed on that, rather than be fixed on the fact, let me do these, these very things for someone else. Maybe that, that's what our, we take with uh, the, the indicators our flesh gives us to be in a selfish posture. We turn those around and we do those very things for someone else. And whoever takes away your goods, do not demand it back. And as, as you wish others would do to you, do, do so to them. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that for you? There's, there's no reward in that. For, for even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If, if you lend to those who whom you expect to receive, what credit, benefit is it to you? I mean, this is talking about earthly, this is talking about heavenly treasure. This is talking about storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven where rust, rust and moth do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's, it's talking about investing in eternity rather than in, in, in things that are just going to burn up. Right? This is, this is, and that's where faith steps in. I mean, if you're investing in eternity versus in this world, isn't that, isn't that a, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't save. I mean, consider the ant. I mean, we, we know that's a part of the, the equation, but man, are we being rich towards God in our lives? And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but love, verse 35, but love your enemies. And do good to them and lend, expecting nothing in return. Hello. And your reward will be great. 
benefit, reward. We're seeing a lot of that. And you will be sons of the Most High. That's, that's what brings out the family resemblance. Does that make sense? The image of God is reflected in us when we reflect his character and nature in the way that we live and love others and, and respond and react to his word. Guys, you can't do it, but if you endeavor to do it, the Holy Spirit will empower that into reality. Does that make sense? Like, it's just, our posture is that, man, I don't know how, I, my feelings right now, uh, you know, I don't want to love this person, I want to hit him. You know, I, don't, I mean, that's all true. We see the Psalms. David talks through all that stuff, right? For, why do my enemies prosper? I mean, he wants them dead, right? But then you keep going. Prayer changes our heart. doesn't change God. But most of the time when we're praying, we're trying to get God to change his mind. He's not going to do it, folks. <laughs> He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So who needs to change when we're in prayer? It's me. I need to be the one in the, in the posture of God change my heart because I'm, I've got something, I've got bitterness going on. I've got unforgiveness going on. I've got, I mean, anybody ever been in prayer on that, in that posture with that request? I hope so. But love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is, who's He? God is kind to the ungrateful. Do you have a hard time being kind to ungrateful people? I do. Like, they don't, they don't appreciate this. Right? But like, aren't, have you ever been ungrateful to God for the gift of Christ must less everything else he's given you? I mean, this is, the, this, is the, this is the attitude and the attributes that we should exemplify in the way that we live. And we can't do it. Like he's, but, but, but like, we can't, but he can. Like, he's empowered us for this, for this, for this, for this. this he's empowered us for this. But we've got to submit to it. We've got to yield to it. We've got to come into it. Man, look, everything in our, in our flesh wants to protect ourselves, right? Wants to, wants to have greed, idolatry. I mean, all that stuff finds its origin in me. And the enemy solicits that. But here's the good news. He can't make you do anything. You ever thought about that? The devil can't make you do anything. In fact, God makes a promise in 1 Corinthians 10. He says this, that, he, that I'm faithful and I will always provide a way out so that you're never trapped under the, the temptation that you're facing. And it's common demand, so you're not, it's not just you. That's what it says. So, like, we can never say the devil made me do it because God said, nope, I provided a way as I promised I would. But you, you chose to go your way than my way. And that's, why we, that's where we get in trouble. Does that make sense? Like, the enemy, you know, all he's got is a mouth. You know, he's got an agenda, he's got ideals, he, and they're all destructive and hateful and hurtful. Absolutely. But he can't make you do anything. And, and the, the beauty of God is he won't make you do anything. So it all, the culpability of our life comes down to me. You'll never be able to stand before God and say, God, you, you know, this woman you gave me, whatever, you, you know, whatever blame you want to come up with, and you're never going to be able to put it on the devil or anybody else. We are culpable for our choices unless we have cast our cares upon him. We have rested in the sufficiency of the cross and that we have this posture, this, this, this pursuit, this, this pattern of just living a confessional life because we know that we fall short of the glory of God. But we know that there is one who died to set us free, to ransom us from our broken state and that he is remaking us all the time into vessels of holiness. He's, he's, he's perfecting what he's already made perfect. That's what the scriptures declare. And it's just, we've got to believe it. So don't let the enemy tell you what you're not. 
point to Jesus and, and, and realize that you are in Christ. We have, we have been hidden in Christ with God, Colossians 3 says. That's an awesome thing. And then here's the transitional verse into our passage this morning. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So to wrap all that up, he says, look, let me ask this morning, has God been merciful to you? To what degree? Mm, Right? I mean, like mercy, right? And it just keeps coming and coming. It's abundant. It's, It's lavish. It's bigger than your sin every time, all the time. And that's the kind of mercy that God wants us to extend to others. He wants us to be, you know, we're told in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, you know, the blessed, the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, for they will be given or obtain or whatever we, mercy. Do you know that there are things, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conditional promises that God gives. If, then, we see it throughout the Old Testament, right? But it's not, it's not, it's not, no, it's in the New Testament too. Like, if we don't forgive, will we be forgiven? Because our lack of forgiveness proves that we don't understand what's been done for us. We don't understand the extent of God's love and grace that's been showered over our lives. And so we're tortured by our own posture of unforgiveness, right? Because we're not willing to, to be an extension of what's been what's been bestowed to us, what's been given to us. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. What about you this morning? What's in your life where you've been offended, you've been hurt, you've been, you've been... Where is the opportunity that God has provided for you to obey him? And keep in mind, in, in John chapter 14, verse 21, it says, you know how you love me? This is, this is God telling us how we love him. Obey my commandments. And if you do, I will reveal myself to you on, uh, in, in those moments where you obey. Do you think that Peter was, was, was given a further revelation of who this Jesus was when his boats were filled to the point of sinking? And you know what he did? He went out and just did the, the, the thing that didn't make any sense to him that he didn't want to do. And because he did so. It's not when we endeavor to do it. It's when we do it. So you might be sitting here this morning and going, yeah, I, I, truly, I need to love my brother, my family, my wife, my husband, my whatever, whatever the, the relationship the Holy Spirit is provoking your heart to right now where you have a, a, a bitter root. You have an unforgiving spirit. You have a spirit of judgment or condemnation. Like, it's, it's not when you endeavor to do it as you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's when you obey him. And let me just say this, guys. Because that, some of these things, to obey them seems so beyond you. I mean, and you don't even want to. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and empowers your desire to love God through obedience. Does that make sense? And you're not going to understand it. It's not going to make sense, right? It, because it's us dying again. It's us giving up again. It's us surrendering again. It's not going to make sense until we obey, experience the power of the Holy Spirit, and we personally, you know, we get blessed in those moments. And you know what the blessing is? It's exactly what we read just a moment ago. We, 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 we come to know that we are His. We come to experience the Father's love. We, you know, we're told that in order to have fellowship with Jesus, we've got to share in His suffering, right? Death, too, yes. 
And, and, and Paul says, I fill up in my body what is lacking in Christ's sacrifice. What? I mean, think about that. Like that we're the body of Christ, you know, and then we're supposed to offer our lives, our bodies as living sacrifices. Hello, are you seeing the connection here? What did Jesus do with his body? Which by the way, is not you. It's your tent. It's, it's your offering. What did Jesus do with his body? He put it on a cross to save the world. Right? What does he want you to do with your body? He wants you to put it on your cross so that you might save your neighbors and your co-workers. Right? Like, we've got to be willing to die that others might live. We've might we, we got to be willing to suffer so that others might be saved. We've got, we got to be willing to give that others might live. Isn't that what Jesus did? Hello? Right? And man, we're, you know what we're doing? If you, if you, if you want to... If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you want to lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you'll save it. Guys, we're, how, are you holding on to your life? Are you trying to protect you and, and live for you and, and develop some facade that there's a kingdom that you're trying to build? That's, or are you, are you, have you forfeited all of that in order to live for the glory of God and that means that you've died to any sense of self-preservation. Guys, why do you need to save your life? He already saved it, right? Why are we trying to hold? What are you trying to hold on to? What are you trying to protect? You know, when we, when we, when we try to, when we're greedy and, we're, and, we're, and, we, and we lack generosity and, and all those things, man, you know what happens is we experience the famine, it's when we're lavish in any category, grace, love, kindness, time, money. It's when we're lavish in those ways for the glory of God that God pour, opens the store gates of heaven and pours out such a blessing that we can't contain it. And, and money is, is, is not high on that list, trust me. But it can be because oftentimes it's our God. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and, hate the, and, and, and despise the other. You cannot love both God and the God of money, mammon, or money, right? I mean, have you lost your first love this morning? Do you remember who, who, who first loved you and, and showed you like the, the magnitude of this love? And have you, are, you, are, you, are you fully in to be an agent of that love to other people? Because if you are, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. Guys, we sang a song this morning and it said this. I mean, I'm, I'm off topic here, but like I sang a song this morning. We sang a song this morning that says, the war has already been won. Do you remember what the backdrop slide was? It was Calvary. Do you know that's where the war was won? I'm talking about the war. Like it's settled. It's over. It's done. It's finished. Right? Like the, the battle's been done and, and we're just waiting for our king to come back and conquer, to claim his bride, to establish his kingdom on earth. To, 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 he will never flood the earth in judgment again, but he's bringing fire, right? Like it's going to be purified by fire. There'll be a new heaven, new earth. God's going to come and live among us, right? He's going he's to come down. We're going to come down from heaven. We're going to be drawn up together with them in the clouds. We'll meet the Lord in the air. Those that are asleep first, then us, and then glorified bodies. And here we go. But until then, when the battle's already won, there's going to, I mean, the war's already won, there's going to be battles 
now. Why? Because we're ambassadors on foreign soil. That's why we're told to not get caught up in civilian affairs. That's why Paul uses illustrations that we're soldiers. That's why, guys, that's why we have armor. Right? So, like, are you in the battle? And the only way I can kind of explain this, especially at this interval in our calendar year, is to use a little football illustration, right? And that's, that's this, man. Are you a spectator or are you a player? And if you're a player, it's going to be hard. It's going to require training. It's going to be painful. But let me tell you, where, where, where's the game won and lost? On the field. And where's the joy of being a part of it? Is it watching as much as participating? And listen, we, we, were never, we were never bought to be spectators. Man, we're, we're, we're warriors. We're more than conquerors. Right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But now we are, we are now the body of Christ. We are now the body that Jesus is using in order to sacrifice for the salvation of those that are lost. Have you ever thought about that? Your body, your tent, is just a portion of the body of Christ that is continually and continuing to be sacrificed for the, for the salvation of the world. And, and, and our tendency is to be self-preserving. I, I want to be a spectator, man. I'm going to watch because that looks hard out there. That looks painful. That looks like it's going to require a little bit of training. That looks like I've got to be a little bit more committed. Guys, where are you at in this, man? Like, I want to I do life. I don't care if I'm a pastor or a garbage man. I want to do life with people that love Jesus and just want to see his mission realized. I want to be on the field, and I don't want to be afraid to get hurt. And it's not about... It's not about being the winner because you already are because of Jesus. You have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, but get out there and fight the good fight of faith. And that doesn't mean hurting anybody. That means helping everybody. I'm a nobody that's trying to tell everybody about somebody. Save my soul. Is that you? Because man, we're meant to do this together. It's dangerous to do it alone, right? <laughs> you know, like you don't want to go into a battle if you don't have a, a, a lot of resources and, and support. And man, I'm, I'm looking for my team, man. I'm looking for my fellow warriors. I'm looking for especially men that, are, that, that, have, that have forfeited all of the garbage idols that America is ignoring that it has. Football and baseball and the list goes on, Right? just idols after career man is jesus your all in all right he said man this is crazy stuff this is what he said he said unless you hate your children your wife your make this intimate list even your own life you are not worthy to be my disciple you know what he's saying there is if your love for me doesn't cause every other love to pale in comparison to the point, to the extreme of, of appearing as hate. He's not telling you to hate your wife. But if you don't love me first and best, you're never going to do this. You're not going to follow me. There's going to be an occasion in the near future where you're going to be asked to love your enemy. You're going to be asked to pray for those that persecute you and abuse you. There's going to be a moment where, you know, someone's going to say something or cut you off. And, uh, and you know, we're talking this morning. This is why we've got to hide God's word in our heart. We've got to give the Holy Spirit a library in our minds and hearts 
so that he can bring those things to, to our remembrance in those moments where we're desperate for good counsel. Does that make sense? I mean, because we're going we're gonna to have, I mean, is our faith going to be tested? Guaranteed. Are we going to be tempted? That's different, but guaranteed, right? But all of this is meant to refine us, to bring out the impurities of our life so God can wipe those things away and reveal his image back to us so that we can know who we, whose we are. Any of this resonate with you? Please, man, look, I, I beckon you, stop living for yourself on any level. True life is found in dying to self and finding your life in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. To live for you, and this is not a popular message. This is, this, the, the, it's foolishness to the world. But to those who believe, it is the power of God unto salvation. And Paul says, I will not be ashamed of the gospel. Guys, there are people all around you every day that need to, to see the good news lived out in your life, in your love, in the way that you demonstrate him. What are you living for? Are you living for you or are you living for him? And for most of us, that's a mix. But can, can today be a, a new day, a, new, a, a bright opportunity for us to just forfeit ourselves anew, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him? Jim Elliott says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, this life, this tent, to, to gain what he cannot lose, eternal life, the promise of Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't have my glasses on. What time is it? So guys, um, there's so much more to this, this sermon and I'll get to it next week because what matters is that, is that God got to, to speak to your heart this morning and the Holy Spirit got to, um, I, I believe what has been given this morning is what God wanted you to have this morning and I believe the Holy Spirit will uniquely speak that right into the circumstances of your life and the challenge is what are you going to do with that? Are you going to steward that into obedience, trusting God for the power to see that transform? Let's, let's stop being selfish. To see that transform others' lives? Or are you going to just walk out this door this morning wondering what's for lunch and whether some football team is going to win the day or the Bucks is going to beat the Twins or whoever they're playing? <laughs> Guys, look. All that stuff is, is well and good. I'm not, I'm not here to say like, um, you know, wh- this is the deal. This is what I'm saying. Jesus said, do not worry. And then he says this. He said, don't you know you're more precious than birds and grass? But yet God clothes the grass with lilies. I mean, they're, they're, they're more beautifully clothed than, Sol- clothed than Solomon. And yet that's here today and it's thrown in the fire tomorrow. Right? And these birds, they don't even plant a seed. But God seems to feed them. They don't, they don't harvest. God provides. Aren't you more precious than these? Oh, you of little faith. And then he gives them the antidote for worry. He said, verse 33, what does it say, guys? Seek 
first his kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom, his righteousness, not your kingdom or your... Do we have any righteousness of our own? None. Do we have a kingdom? We think so, right? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things you need and worry about, that's what he says there, will be added unto you. Guys, I don't know where you're at this morning, but we serve a God of mercy. We serve a God that is, his desire is that none should perish. You might have been a Christian all your life, but you know that at the last day, this is what Jesus says, many will say, Lord, Lord. And what I will say to them is depart from me for I don't, I don't even know who you are. And that's not a statement of God not knowing the number of hairs on our head. That's a statement of we are not intimate. We don't have, an, you're not my bride. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you're saint or sinner, seeker. Um, but I think in some way, the Holy Spirit in his, the wonder of his counsel, you have, you have, a, you have a gauge for that. It's not for me to determine. But you know if you're, if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You know if there's, a, if there's his fruit in your life. And if not, let me tell you, it's, this, is, this is what God wants from us. He just wants us to trust him. He just wants you to believe that he's enough. He wants you to acknowledge his holiness by saying, you know what? I've sinned. I've fallen short of your glory, Lord. And I believe that the cross can cover it. I believe that Jesus' blood was enough and, and that you, you pour yourself out and ask God to, to forgive you and in faith, you believe in the promise that he said he would. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Guys, I don't, I don't know where you're at on the resurrection, but if, if, if you don't believe that Jesus raised from the dead, Ask God to help your unbelief because that's the, that's the linchpin of salvation. It is. Because we, we will have no eternal hope. We'll have no living hope if we don't believe that his resurrection is our resurrection. His death is our death. His burial is our burial. But the good news is his life is our life. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.